Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. If you're enjoying this content, you can head over to yesodblocks.com and support what we're doing by subscribing and getting access to all the other content that we have at Yesodblocks, a bunch of new series that are all coming out very, very soon, and we are now also going to be offering video uh uh, content in addition to the audio episodes that we already have up there, uh, and that will really allow us to do a whole bunch of new things. So head over there and subscribe today, and you can then join us and join our community and support what we're doing. Additionally, if you have any questions on anything that you hear in this episode or other episodes, you're welcome to reach out to me directly using the website. There's a WhatsApp portal at yesodblocks.com, which literally uh, reaches my personal phone, and you have any questions you can ask me, and I'm happy to answer with voice notes. I've been responding uh, literally every day to questions from different listeners, so if you want to jump on that bandwagon and learn more about these ideas, definitely reach out at any point, and I'm 100% available to do that. In this episode, we are up to Siman Nun Aleph, starting a new Siman in this episode, and we are finally out of the woods of the first part of the tefillah uh, sections or organized sections that we have from Chazal, from the sages of the Talmud. I'm going to show you exactly what those sections are and what it means that we've left one section now entering another section. But first, let's just read what the halacha actually says. In Sima Nun Aleph, it's section 51, halacha Aleph, the first halacha. This section is titled, Dine Tefillah Min Baruch Shamar Ad Yishtabach, the halachos of tefillah. Tefillah, as we've explained until now, uh, refers to alignment. What we're trying to do is internal alignment with, with our more conscious aspect, trying to align it with our more deeply held uh, unconscious or more deeply buried aspect, the part of ourselves, the parts of ourselves, even I would say, or the deeper self that is within, that is hidden because we constantly overthink using the aspects of Bina of our minds. And with all the thoughts that we think in that area, we often d- develop this das uh, tovara distortion in which we perceive the parts of, us, of ourselves that we know about, that we're comfortable with, that we're conscious of as the main self. And then we have all these other layers of ourselves that are buried underneath. And that's those areas are, are designed essentially to, are, are not, are, we're, we're designed to unfortunately often misperceive them and ignore them. And so the process of tefillah is about digging deep and finding a shem at the root of all being and then figuring out where we fit in that larger context. And you can think of Hashem as our own unconscious mind, as the layers of unconscious self that are buried deeply underneath the conscious layers of thought that we have. And so if you want to think about that as sort of like an analogy, is sometimes we ask, well, where is Hashem? And where is Hashem relative to us? And that's kind of like if you are... Uh, if you're a, a, a character in a book, so the author of that book is the one who wrote the book. So there is nowhere in the in the book, nowhere in the story, is there a place where the author's presence is not there, where the the fabric of the author's mind is not there. And so if you are a part of that story, then the very fabric of your being is actually drawn from and is an extension of the author's self. And so you can't really look anywhere to figure out where the author is because there is nowhere that the author is or is not because the author is not really in the story and yet the author is the story. And so that's the that's that's where to look if you want to think about where Hashem is. And so the process of tefillah is basically plugging yourself into the larger context of what is reality as opposed to trying to figure out where Hashem is and asking Him for stuff. Hashem is over there, you're over here. It's about orienting yourself so that you experience yourself in the larger context of who Hashem is and who you are. So that's Dine Tefillah, and then it's from Min Baruch Sheamar Ad Yishtabach, from the section of Baruch Sheamar until Yishtabach. So just to read the first halacha, and then I'll explain exactly what that's talking about. It says here, Omrim Baruch Sheamar, Kodem Suke de Zimra, we say Baruch She'amar, this paragraph called Baruch She'amar, before we say Psuke de Zimra, the verses of song 
the Yishtabach Lacharem. Then we say the paragraph of Yishtabach after we say these verses of song. So Psuket Zimra refers to a bunch of paragraphs that we say uh, after we finish the section of Korbanot that we mentioned in the previous episode. So when we start saying these these songs, these paragraphs of songs, verses of songs, they're mostly from Tehillim, uh, and Tehillim is essentially a book of songs. Um, and so we we preface the saying of these verses of song with a paragraph called Baruch She'amar, and then we end off this section with a paragraph called Yishtabach. And so what's happening there is, first of all, just to give the background of those paragraphs, so Baruch She'amar and Yishtabach, you can think of them as brachos. So brachos, as we described earlier, brachos are... are uh, are tools, they're triggers that we use in order to to trigger awareness of Hashem's presence in the context of a particular situation, action, or or thing. And so if you're eating a particular fruit, you say a bracha so that way you can trigger awareness of Hashem's presence as the source of that fruit. If you're if you're eating any other kind of food, we have special brachos for every food that we eat. Before we we eat the food, we make a special bracha that triggers our awareness of Hashem's presence in that in the existence of that food. We also make a special bracha after we eat the food in thanks to Hashem and awareness that we could not survive. We could not regenerate our bodies by adding food products to them without Hashem being the source of food and without Hashem also allowing our bodies to receive and absorb those foods into our body's uh, makeup and, and framework. And so we have a bracha afterwards that we say as well uh, in, in, in raising awareness of that process. So that's essentially, you could think of that as an, an analogy for these brachos here. We have a bracha before these verses of song and then a bracha after. And so what's happening, just to give a little bit of a bigger bird's eye view here of the situation, is that you can look at tefillah in the morning as essentially being able to be broken down into four parts. And the first part is the parts that we've already examined, which is birchos ashachar and korbanot. And so those are, we can look at them as kind of reflecting the more practical aspects of existence, that these are, these are, Brachot that reflect what we're doing. The brachos hashachar are brachos about uh, getting up, about getting dressed, about being able to walk on the ground, about uh, uh, preparing ourselves for the day. And korbanot are also basically kind of like this, this preparatory phase to get us ready for the rest of tefillah, which is more of an internal process. So you can think of korbanot also as like a we don't really do these offerings anymore, but uh, the, these are practical, physical offerings that are designed to trigger underlying internal processes. So that's all phase one, and that that phase of tefillah, the birchas shachar and korbanot aspects are are I think of them as um, they are correlates to one of the layers of existence that's called olam ha'asiyah. Olam ha'asiyah literally means the layer of doing, the layer of action. And so we have these different layers to existence, just, just like we have these different layers within ourselves. We've discussed these a little bit in previous episodes. And so the, the first layer, the, lo- the lowest layer, or the layer that is, that is, um, that is essentially the, the layer that we most easily encounter and perceive because it's physical, practical, quantifiable, measurable, tangible, so that is olam ha'asiyah, and so these first lay- these first parts of tefillah are analogous to that layer of being, and so we're basically trying to now bring awareness of Hashem's presence into that layer, and then we move up to the next layer above, and that's what psuket zimra is about. And so in 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 the in the uh, layering of existence, this layer is called olam ha'yitzira. And Olam HaYetzirah is essentially this layer that's called the layer of formation. And Yetzirah is usually just going to be translated as like the word Yetzer, means to be creative or to, to form things. And so what you do when you're being Yotzer is you basically take raw material and you turn it into things. You build it and you construct it into things in the process of formation. So that is essentially the layer that we're talking about here. And now in the, in the world side of things, 
So we're talking about Hashem, actually, the, the layers of creation that He engages in to manifest what we experience as Olam HaAsiyah. So you could think of it almost as like, Olam HaYetzirah is kind of like the the um, the layer of, of meaning or the layer of, of significance. In other words, um, th- things in Olam HaAsiyah are just things. They're, they, you can perceive them as the void of underlying inner inner significance, they, that you see the outer surface of them. When you get to Olam HaYetzirah, you're getting now exposed to like the planning, the the intent, the intentionality that was embedded in the formation of these things. And formation is inherently an intentional uh, activity. And so that's what Olam HaYetzirah is supposed to represent. It's that there's this layer of forming of the things that we then experience in Olam HaAsiyah. And so that is the next layer above in terms of the the, the, the stack or the, the layering of existence. And I just want to stress that we're trying to describe layers that go all the way from Hashem, the intangible self that is utterly and, and completely uh, indivisible. There's only one reality, one self that is completely and utterly unified in a simple oneness. And somehow that is able to be translated and transformed through a series of layers into multiplicity and diversity. And so that's what we're experiencing around us in Olam HaAsiyah. And Olam HaYetzirah is kind of like the the you could think of it almost like the conceptual formation or the or the um, the the level of of there's a residue of intentionality of conviction of I have a plan to make these things and here is their form as a reflection of that plan of what's going to be manifest in Olam HaAsiyah and so that has its analog as well in the process of tefillah and that analog is what we're up to right now which is Baruch Shamar. Psukei Zimra and Yishtabach, beginning from Baruch Shemar, going all the way to Yishtabach. So that is all one section, and it is designed to mirror the dynamics of Olam HaYetzirah. And so that's why this, these are these are Psukim of passion, Psukim of conviction, Psukim of intentionality, because they're all essentially about they're about uh, the intent that's buried. In, inside of reality, that when you look at, at, at the seemingly random and cold world around you, it actually is uh, designed with intentionality and has purpose. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to perceive that in the world around us, and then we're also trying to access that within our own selves to become more aware of this layer within ourselves uh, as, as, a, as a mirroring of that which we are trying to now see around us in the world. And so that is this whole section. So again, the, the, this halacha, what it says, Omer Baruch Shemar, you say Baruch Shemar first, and so like, like all other brachos, uh, Baruch Shemar is designed to give um, context to the Pesukei de Zimra, the verses of song that we're going to now say that are a reflection of the convictions and intentions inside of reality. So we start with this bracha that is essentially connecting these verses to Hashem. So we don't just sing random verses, uh, or even though these, a lot of these verses are, are uh, openly about Hashem and things that Hashem does in existence, but we still uh, we start off with this bracha to, to orient ourselves, to direct ourselves towards Hashem. And then we, we, ha- we finish that with another bracha afterwards that essentially does the same thing where we now are, 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 it's a, these are all, these are brachos of hoda'ah, essentially to acknowledge and develop awareness of Hashem's presence, to admit that Hashem is the, is the, is the source of the context, to admit that Hashem is the, is the intention behind existence, that existence has some kind of purpose or direction. And so that's, that's, these brachos are actually a language of hoda'ah, that Hashem is, is, we're, we're trying to be mishabeach to Hashem, um, to to uh, review the the truth of what Hashem is doing and how Hashem does things, and by reviewing that, that's essentially what the definition of praise is. And so let me just explain what I mean by that for a second, and then I'll, that'll wrap up this introductory uh, halacha for the rest of the siman. So 
this concept of shevach, tishbachot, that we say, the word tishbachot is used in these brachos, and uh, the, it essentially means to praise someone. So often we think about praise as what you're trying to do is just say something nice to somebody else, and you say, oh, you look really great today, or something like that, and this is kind of like, this is what we think of as, as, as praising somebody, giving them compliments. But there's really two different ways you could give somebody praise. Uh, you could either say something which is just flattery, which is essentially is it's almost a lie. In other words, you're saying nice things, complimentary things, in order to make them feel good without those things really being a reflection of reality. It could be that that, that they even are. You could say, you know, it could be the person is dressed very nicely that day, and you say, "You look great today." Uh, the question is, why are you saying that? So, are you saying that because you are trying to make them feel good without really uh, relating too carefully to what it is that you're seeing, or are you actually trying to be a reflection of the truth of their existence? in a way that will then draw their attention to something which is positive about the way that they are in that situation. So those are two very different things, because, and we can usually tell. We can tell when someone gives us a compliment that is more um, about trying to just make us feel good irrespective of the reflection of ourselves versus somebody who genuinely is reflecting to us what our situation is. Uh, and what I mean by that, if you think about that for a second, I'm sure everyone has probably felt uh, that somebody was complimenting them uh, in a way that felt like it was not... Uh, particularly real. I don't mean that, that it's just pure flattery. What I mean is like, you know, if someone just says something vague, like, hey, you look great, that's very different than someone saying, wow, that choice of clothing, it really brings out uh, your complexion in a way that makes it look like you're glowing. And it's very interesting to see how that really uh, uh, fits together with your eye color. And these are obviously all physical compliments or physical observations. But when someone draws your attention in a detailed way to what's going on in your own setup, so that helps you develop a more objective awareness of what your situation is. Because very often, uh, we think of compliments as just about feelings to make somebody feel good, but actually compliments are, are meant to be, and real shevach is meant to be, a reflection in a clear way as to what your situation is, which can then act to counterbalance potential distortions of das tovara that you, in the terms of the way that you might perceive yourself. That is why if you read any book about uh, raising children or praising children or, or business books about how to actually give positive feedback, so they always stress, make sure that it's detailed. And the thing is, it's not even just make sure that it's detailed, although that is helpful because making sure that it's detailed does make it sound like it's more true, in which case it sounds like it's more reliable. But what you really want is you want to really do this with integrity. It means you want to really reflect to somebody what their situation is, so that way they see themselves more clearly, and you also now are basically reviewing and articulating the way that they are in a way that's more clear even to yourself, and that allows for there to be greater connection and greater understanding of each other because we are now speaking out loud these aspects of yourself that now we can review them and see them more clearly, and that actually can then be used as a reference point for future interaction, future activity. And so that's really, uh, you know, what we all we all want praise like that. We all want to be seen, and we want someone who will tell us uh, what we are in as true a way as possible. And when it's when it's things about us that are positive, those are the most empowering because, first of all, it allows us to see ourselves more clearly, and we sense that. And it also creates more of a of a, a dynamic of of connection and loyalty and integrity and reliability in our friend that we now feel that we can trust what they say. Which is also helpful then when they give us negative feedback sometimes, because unfortunately when there's very vague positive feedback, so the negative feedback becomes just just as as questionable. We can tell we're like, 
can I really lean on this? Can I really start to see myself in this way, in the positive way, if it's really not detailed? If I really don't know if I can trust what this person is saying. Are they genuinely reflecting me? And then similarly, when we get negative feedback, so we also, we, we don't know what to do with it. First, we can't tell, should I be hurt by this? Does it, is this true? Am I really like this? I don't really feel like I am. Maybe I do feel like I am like this. I can't trust my own instincts, the way that people see me versus the way that I see myself. And so this is the process of Shevach. Shevach is about having a true friend who is able to really help us see ourselves clearly and that's true not just in a positive or way or negative way but ultimately when you have a, a clear positive or and clear negative feedback that creates what we call a reality feedback which helps us to really find ourselves to really see ourselves more clearly and that's what all these tishbachot with Hashem are we're going to see as we explore and we have another series another a few other series coming out on Yisod blocks that are about exploring the language and the actual paragraphs of Psukei Zimra and other parts of tefillah and then we're, we're going we're going to be exploring each of these paragraphs to figure out exactly what they're saying but in terms of the general overview that's what they're doing they're essentially articulating things about Hashem we're trying to see what Hashem is and what Hashem does in a reality orientation so we can really um, we can plug into that from a place of conviction and really have clarity as to who Hashem is as opposed to just sort of this vague thing like well God is the creator or something he created all of us it's very very vague there's really there are layers to this there are dynamics to it there are ingredients to it there are patterns to it and that's really what Sukkot Zimra is about. It's listing out a lot of these things and trying to orient ourselves towards them and embed them in our minds. And by reviewing them out loud, saying them to Hashem, we actually develop our own awareness about, about them. And so, of course, with Hashem, He doesn't really need us to reflect to Him what it is that He is for Himself. He sees Himself very clearly. Uh, but in terms of our relationship with Hashem, being, being able to see who Hashem is and reflect that out loud so that we can actually review it and, and by putting it out in words, we can then observe it and then re-ingest it and reabsorb it into our minds. That is essentially the process of Psukei Zimra and these Psukim. So these are the first, these are the brachos, the first one and the last one, Baruch Shem and we're going to pick up with the next halacha in the next episode. Hopefully that was clear and useful and thanks so much for tuning in and joining us. And again, check out yesoblocks.com for more content like this and join us today support what we're doing and it's looking forward to seeing you in the next episode